Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A swimming pool in the sky. This is the Sky Pool in Nine Elms, in the heart of London where the well-to-do can dress stroke 115 feet above the ground. While families nearby depend on food banks to survive and 40% of children live in poverty. If you want to see the inequality that doesn't just scar Britain, but defines it, here's as good a place as any. Working class communities like those nearby are being ripped apart. Around this former industrial area, families set down roots for generations. Here's where they worked, lived, loved, had their children, their grandchildren too. But they've been told, in act and deed, that this place isn't for them. As property developers, who treat housing as a lucrative investment, not as a basic human need, built only for the well-to-do and financially thriving. There's a lesson here. This inequality isn't a fact of life, like the weather, but the consequence of decisions made by the powerful. I've come to Nine Elms to speak to local residents, and I meet up with Aidan Dickerdem. He's a local Labour councillor, and he lives and breathes this community. It is, you know, like London, people live in cheap by jowl, but from very different walks of life, um, a huge inequality. Um, sadly, we're about to see a food bank open in the Yvonne Car Centre on Patmore Estate, but in the same ward and within, you know, throwing distance of, of, of what is a total transformation of the riverside. So huge, huge inequality, very visually stark inequality, uh, which I think is something that has brought more attention on this area. Um, and when you get down into the detail of it, a lot of what's happened here is a result of political decisions, and I think that's really important to put across. Um, it didn't have to be like this. The local Conservative-run Wandsworth Council proudly lords the rebirth of Nine Elms as the biggest urban renewal success story of this century. But working-class residents feel consigned to the shadows in the most literal sense. This is like living in concrete jungle. In the nine years that I lived here, since the properties, new properties have been built, it's taken sunlight away from us, yeah, it's, um, it's covered all the trees, it's covered all the skylight, it's very odd. Yeah, you feel like you're encaged in a, um, a block. It's like you're in a hole and people are looking down at you. These kids, these kids that live here now have got problems. And, and they see this. They see cranes and fucking money like. They see like people driving Bentleys and shit and they're on a push bike. It's just money, money, money. That's all, it's, it, all it is. And it's been like that for a good few years now, since they started all this. They built that Battersea power station, which would have been really good to have that in the area yeah. for, you know, working class people. But no, nothing like that, nothing like that. The site around Battersea power station, a grand fixture on the London skyline, represented a great opportunity for a capital city in the midst of a housing crisis. Many residents languish on waiting lists for a council house for over a decade. 
Tenants have privately let homes spend on average 40% of their income on rents and homelessness is on the rise. A housing project like this would normally be expected to have up to 40% affordable housing. But instead, the original target was set at just 15% on the grounds that would attract investors and public money should instead be spent on a new tube station. It gets worse. With an Orwellian stroke of the pen, the Conservatives redefined affordable to mean 80% of market rates, not remotely affordable to millions of working class people. The Tories made viability the priority in planning law, and viability meant the ability of property developers to make profit, trumping all other considerations, not least building housing that ordinary people could afford. This is a story in large part about land. The fate of Battersea Power Station had long haunted the council. In 2006, it was sold to an Irish-owned company, Treasury Holdings, who would be charged with regenerating the area. But the land value was drastically overestimated. But that didn't save Treasury Holdings, who went bankrupt after the financial crash. It was sold by Treasury Holdings creditors all over again at that drastically inflated price to a Malaysian-owned consortium and they went on to slash the so-called affordable homes to just 9%. And so greed trumps people's needs. No wonder the residents of Carey Gardens, emblematic of post-war council housing, with its desire to provide high-quality homes for a mixed community, feel so defeated. You know, this was prime brownfield land. This was ideal for challenging the crisis that we face in terms of the affordability crisis in housing in London. There are so many opportunities, but it's a story of austerity, it's, an story, it's a story of greed. So like how we think about land and the financialization of land is crucial to understanding what has happened here. Do you think there's any way of fighting back against it? Not really. No? Not really. We just got to look after ourselves, really, you know, on our estate. There ain't no, because everything's already signed, sealed. You know what I mean? You could do whatever you wanted, but it's all, it's all accounted for, everything, you know? Yeah, Battersea has changed. <laughs> I think most of us, after a year living off here, wanted to swap the houses, and most of us are actually trying to find something different. Most of my mates coming from Patmore Estate um, or Roehampton, so we used to live in a small communities where you know the neighbour. You could borrow a cup of the glass or sugar. Not happening in here. Okay. Yeah, you're going to the school with other mums from the school and we're just looking at each other without knowing basically who's living where. When you're struggling, when you cancel tenant, you're definitely more into the community. You need some other neighbours to pick up your child. You need someone to help you out with bills or with anything. I mean, if you live in a, a, a state that is, everyone knows each other, we'll look out for each other, but there's only so much you can do. On our, on our estate, we've got a lovely community you know we really have yeah 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 my mum was one of the first ones to uh, move on Kerry Gardens so we've seen a lot of people come and go you know what I mean but the community on Kerry Gardens is beautiful you know what kind of beautiful. thing like how do people look after each other what sort of stuff well you get them to talk and if there's anything that people can do for them people will I think I mean Kerry Gardens this is a beautiful estate this is this is kind of like this is what the dream was right like like beautiful buildings for people from all walks of life, you know, teachers, nurses, 
um, as well as people who like are struggling, as well as people who need support of the state. And we've moved away from that. Now it's, you know, it's like the social housing is the bit that's by the train tracks, or the social housing is the bit hidden away um, of cheaper materials. So these are the affordable homes from the power station. And then obviously you can see they're not actually at the power station site. They're built on an old industrial site um, right by the railway tracks, which is like most of the social housing, a bit of a sound barrier. Now, in 2017, 250 of these were cut because the power station development claims that the costs had gone up too much. So they went to the council and said, can we cut 250 of the affordable homes? And the council signed off on that. Instead of saying, no, you have an obligation, a tiny obligation, not 30%, like not 40%, 15%. So now we're only getting 9% from the power station, 9%, um, which will be mixed up of social rent, intermediate and shared ownership. Um, so this is, this is the social housing we're getting from the power station. Like I say, it's not on the actual site itself. And these are like the, the crumbs of Nine Elms, when Nine Elms should have been this huge opportunity to build 30, 40, 50% genuine social housing, council housing for the people that need it. Um, so you have mixed feelings when you're a war councillor, because obviously, yeah, great, social housing is being built. If you look around what's... It's relatively a crumb. It's, it's a crumb, yeah, yeah. Um, so housing. it's frustrating, yeah, yeah. When I was a little girl, where Nine Elms is, just past the Battersea, uh, you know, where they built the power station, if you go along, it used to be called the Baths. And there used to be a swimming pool in there for the local people. And everybody used to get their washing done in there because there was no washing machines when I was a little girl. And like all the mums would go down there with their prams, all full up, get their washing done, you know, in the machines. And you could iron it down there. And then you had the swimming pool there for the local area. Nothing like that, yeah. nothing like that now. They, they knocked that down a long time ago. And what did they do? Flats. Yeah. But it's definitely not the Battersea I grew up no. in. No way. A different world now. A different altogether, different yeah. altogether. You've got to have money here, mate. Yeah. yeah. But they can't get rid of us because we're secure tenants. Mm -hmm. you as know much as I mean? they'd like to. They'd love it. it. Oh, they'd love to get us out, all of us. You know what I mean? They'd love to get rid of all the council people, you know? but they can't. They wanted to split like my family up, like send like my eldest boy into a flat somewhere and put us into a two bedroom with my youngest boy. And we just wanted to stay as a family. And yeah, um, the local councillor and the co-op chairman and fought for us and battled for us to get a place. The council offered us a place and then they took it back. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And it was like three weeks before Christmas and um, like we were meant to stay on the estate but then they took it back off of us and um, like that just it devastated us like we thought we were moving we had everything packed ready to move and they pulled on us um, the local councillor and uh, Mrs Penfold they fought for us um, went to the council and kind of shamed them into it yeah. and they built the new properties which were like across the road um, and they offered us one of them or one in Battersea that was like far away yeah. from my family and that. So we took the one in the one here. But the rent is like £80 more for the same square metres as I had before. Can understand that because it's a new house. But then they raised my council tax up like four or five bands. And I, when I questioned it, they said that because like they do everything on a 10 mile radius. Well, 10 mile radius of where I live is the richest boroughs in London. Like, you've got Clapham, Pimlico, Chelsea, South Kensington, like, Vauxhall. And they're just breaking up the community. The council, I, I fought and fought and fought and they've put me back down. But, like, it's all to do with money. Like, it's like we're surrounded by money, but it's not helping us. What really comes across talking to people is how a community is ripped apart, families can't live near each other, families are sent, other th you know, people have to move yeah. way out in order to look after their kids and support themselves. I mean, this community's been really fragmented, hasn't it, by what's happened? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that I think is, you know, if you're a councillor, and this is, this is the same for probably councillors all across London, I mean, I, I know it is, your main piece of casework is housing. People who are in overcrowded housing because, they, 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 you know, there's not enough rooms. They've got too many, you know, their families are too big for the properties they're in. There's the waiting list just from that alone. And then there's a waiting list of all the people who are served Section 21 notices by these private landlords because the property prices of the land is going up. Because if you lived, say you lived in Hackney 15 years ago, what's Hackney like now? You know, what, what's Batsy like now? It's, these are places that are really like, people want to go there. So, so then if you, if, you, if you were renting, to someone on a social rent who has getting housing benefit, you're going to just up the rents. They, they get served to Section 21, they end up in temporary accommodation. So we've got this huge industry in local government now of temporary accommodation, often outside the borough, which costs huge amounts of money, often placing people in privatised ex-council housing. Like, it, it's, it, it's, it's madness. It is, I mean, any public policy, you know, academic or expert would just think this is the most ludicrous way of redistributing resources or of making sure that people are housed because it's literally funneling public money into private pockets mm -hmm. on, 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 on infrastructure that we built that we could be getting income off of. That's the thing about council housing. It's, it gives people a home, it gives them an affordable rent mm -hmm. and the money goes back into mm -hmm. keeping it and building more. Mm -hmm. Like it's ideal. It's not just the settled working class communities being marginalised. These grand new properties include shared ownership flats where tenants part own and pay the rest in rent. 
is advertised as an affordable way to own your own home. They have their own entrance, which many of them mock as a poor door, and are separated from the private owners, excluded from the special amenities like gyms, even as they pay ever-increasing service charges. Our service charge started skyrocketing after we bought this place, which again was sold to us as affordable housing. And it's completely separate from from the rest of of the private block, which has a lot of amenities like gym and landscape gardens. We started seeing our service charge going up from a normal service charge of less than £100 a month to over £300 for a one-bedroom flat of this dimension, which is really small, and over £400 for a two-bedroom flat. We just basically realised that we, we were paying for services which we supposed not to pay and they were not in our lease and uh, like again the maintenance of the whole estate which as I said has we don't have access to so we are in a situation where we would probably need to take legal action uh, the housing association of course their solicitor is used by uh, is, is paid by taxpayers money so whatever they win or lose it doesn't matter because we'll still be a, a, a burden for for uh, for taxpayers, and we are in a situation where, again, we feel completely, uh, you know, we've been missold this. And, and of course, everyone is scared because taking this story out uh, to, to the media would make the property even unsell- more unsellable, if it's unsellable. Um, and um, yes, it's, it's, it's not something I would suggest. So I think, I think that what we take out of this is that really when they talk about affordable housing or even uh, intermediate rent and, and shared ownership, people don't really realise, and politicians, don't really realize what is behind that um, and and I, I think this should really be taken I mean regardless if you are uh, labor or conservative really should should everyone should care about this because we are in a situation where we are key worker this was created to help us to get on the housing ladder but in reality we are actually paying for for rich people who live on the other side of the block uh, who have the same service charges we have with amenities we we can't even dream of. I'm not really upset by the people living in in a hanging swimming pool which you know I don't know what they've done basically I mean good for them and I'm actually upset for for those who are supposed to protect us and they failed us completely because we will in reality try to sell. Speaking to him, I can't help but reflect that he's got the same things in common as anybody else I've spoken to. Whatever their backgrounds, whatever the type of housing they happen to live in, everybody wants a secure home. Everyone wants to be able to have security, to set down roots in their local community, to have stability that if we choose to have a family, that isn't something which imposes an impossible stress on our lives. And yet all of them are being deprived of that. In fact, they feel as though they're being driven from their community and having to look elsewhere just to be able to have that basic right, the right to a secure, comfortable and affordable home. I mean, this is the story, isn't it, of how housing over the last 40 years has not become about how you provide one of the most basic human needs, but about an asset which can be monetised and turned into 
a huge investment opportunity. Exactly, and, and you've you know you've spoken to the people in the community who have lived with the ramifications of that, right? Like housing continues to be this really profitable investment and not seen as something that we live in, but something that we are speculate on. Now I'm terrified. Nine Elms is a product of post-crash understanding of like, oh no, we have to give all these developers these huge carrots because otherwise they're not going to develop. And they're like, oh yeah, we won't develop, we won't develop. And of course they're going to develop because, you know, property prices went up from 2014 to 2019 in Wandsworth by 23%. Does your savings account give you 23% return? No, it probably gives you like, you know, if you're an ordinary person, you're probably losing money to inflation. Whereas if you're rich, you're getting really rich. Now, post-COVID, how much, how much have we just printed? 400 billion, which is going to again find its way into the pockets of really wealthy people who understandably are not putting them in savings accounts. They're going to put them in assets. So this property speculation and land boom is just is going to continue until we intervene in the market because it shouldn't be a housing market. Housing should not be run by the market. In the aftermath of the war, when Britain was on its knees, the Labour government made housing a central plank of the new social order. Council housing was built to a better standard than private housing, and Nye Bevan, tasked with this new radical housing programme, declared the intention to introduce what was always the lovely feature of English and Welsh villages, where the doctor, the grocer, the butcher and the farm labourer all lived in the same street. But this dream of mixed communities lies ever more in ruins. If you thought housing was about meeting one of the most fundamental needs of any human, then you were wrong. In this system, it's an investment opportunity for multi-millionaire developers while cities like London are transformed into playgrounds for the mega-rich. This is no country for working-class men and women. It's a country for elites. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting, and I certainly did. Uh, do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road, uh, forward slash Jones 84 Leave us some stars, that'd be nice. Spread the word. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.